Wasn't it Joop that said, the bike to bike, that's all I like. Well, not for us. We cover life on and off the bike. You're listening to the Live Slow, Ride Fast podcast. When love ain't winning, the mood starts swinging. The devil's grinning, he keeps on singing. Hearts get heavy and time's an enemy. Today's episode of the podcast is again not a regular one. Again, no classic mano a mano in the man cave. Today we proceed with a series of podcasts in which we dive into the world of gravel, into the mind of his star racers, race organizers and other experts. And even though we tend to be very much into all of this and know it all, here's again our confession, we don't know shit. So the search continues. What is it when people talk about the spirit of gravel? How do gravel races differ from road events? How's the US gravel culture compared to the gravel in Europe? What's with the gear? What's hot and what's not? So join us for this series of gravel specials we make together with Shimano GRX, building up to whatever the first gravel race will be for us. Today's episode two with Mr. Gravel Pro, Pete Stettena. It's time for your monthly dose of cycling gebabbel. My name is Stefan Bolt. And sitting next to me, Laurens, I don't use a power meter because it isn't gravel-like, but I just installed an aero bar on my divert so I can keep up with Nikki Tendam. Hi Lau. Yeah, hi. How are you? I'm tired. Yeah? Oh, you went on a on a bikepacking trip with the missus. Yeah, man. I went uh, <laughs> like like last week. I uh, just popped up like Monday, Tuesday. The kids are going to kindergarten and maybe my parents would like to take care of them for one night. So uh, I, I approached my wife. I said, hey, I got two days spare. We could go to for a bikepacking trip. And she was into it. Then two, three days ago, she was like, hey, there's still a... There's still a turbo, a Creo in the, yeah. in the garage. It's your an side. An e-bike. Yeah, yeah, an e-bike, an e-race bike. But if you, lower, if you lower the saddle, I could use that one, right? I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so yesterday I was four hours in the wheel in the headwind because it was like six by four headwind. Tessa put you in the hurt box. I'm, yesterday we arrived at the campsite at six. Yeah. I was asleep by 6.30. <laughs> Today we arrive at the at the house at noon, and we had lunch and blah blah. blah. Within 15 minutes after the lunch, I had a I had a nap on the couch. I was like this, yeah, really. And but I must admit, it was the f- first time we had we did 100 180k in two days, so 90k a day basically, without any fights. Nice, because normally it's always like bah bah bah. And yeah, yeah. But yeah. now it was like it was all good, and for sure at the end Tessa was tired in the neck and and. Yeah, saddle yeah. sores and whatever if you're not used to go on a bike for that long but uh no it was nice it was uh, quality time cool so but, the but, e-bike is uh is when you say no no fights no also no discussions no she was a little bit she felt a little bit like uh my old training body paul martens <laughs> <laughs> listen up paul a little bit like, like you, you like i i i i was the only one knowing the route and yeah, I yeah. said the turns too late and when I wanted to go fast we went fast and when I wanted to go slow she had to go slow so no but was was quite re- I think it it was good for the relation these two days my wife 
hates camping, but she says, if you want to go bikepacking, let's go. Yeah, I have to I have a small advice for the people who would like to go because uh, we went bikepacking glamour style. You know, we yeah. rented a trekkers hut. I don't know, like one of those small cabins. We paid 40, 40 euros. Was, yeah. Ooh, was, <laughs> that's tough for a long stand up. <laughs> so instead of pitching the tent, we had a nice cabin with two beds. We were separated for two, uh, two me- like the, there was like a big, there was like two single beds. Oh. So it was not very romantic. <laughs> But I slept like a baby as she did too. So we might consider it do- doing the same. Sounds now. like an awesome trip. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Please explain, Lau, where we are and what we're looking at. So I think this is the first time we do a, we do a podcast with time difference. We're in our podcast studio, very professional, <laughs> in your house. Yeah, and uh, and I see uh, I see Pete standing there, and he's having his morning coffee while we already passed five over here. So good morning, man. Morning. Good morning. Yeah. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm enjoying this story about the bike packing. I mean. I think when Lauren says there was no fight, it just means that, you know, his wife was the one that was finally, you know, she was in the driver's seat. And it, like Lawrence is not admitting that there was actually like, he was at her bidding. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lawrence, there, there, maybe you can, um, maybe you, you have some views on this, but how is, does that work? The guy who knows the route and who builds the route, those are always the same guys, right? Oh, yeah. 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 And he, Those he knows exactly control boys. And he had to stay in control because she's got the e-bike. I mean, if he didn't, like, say it too late, you know, she'd be gone. Like, she's finally <laughs> hammered down on law. <laughs> I had to chase her. Like, oh, oh. So maybe yeah. there was a fight and she was angry, but he did not hear it because she was maybe... He was too far bad. up. <laughs> <laughs> too far up. Pete, for the listeners, welcome oh to God. the podcast. Uh, it's great to have you, uh, uh, but maybe not every listener knows who you are. They, obviously, they know your name, but let me introduce you a little bit. Um, a little so reminder, so to say. 11 years pro, Pete Stettena, from 2008 to 2019, or is it from 2006 to 2019? It was weird because there was the year when I started with Garmin, Yeah. And EF and they were, they went pro continental and did all the big races. But then I went back to the, they finally created an under 23 team. So then I went back to under 23 and then I came pro again in 2010. So I did Thir- 10, 13 years, 13 years. Yeah. Let's just, whatever. <laughs> you wrote for the three uh, US team, Garmin, uh, BMC, Trekzegger, Fredo, US national champion, 2005, out sprinting TJ Van Garderen. Hey, uh, Giro stage winner 2012, Team Soundtile. Mm. Made a big move last year by switching to gravel while having at least a few years left as a roadie pro. Let's dive into that later. Born August 8, Lau, 1987. And where is a, uh, where is a US cyclist uh, born? Because I have the feeling there are all born there. Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> I don't know what they put in you guys, your food there, but everybody comes from, I'm from Boulder, Colorado. Dude. It's just me and Taylor Finney. Everyone else moves there to be a pro. And then I actually left. I'm in California now. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's an outdoors uh, 
sports mecca. Everyone goes there to be healthy and exercise and all that. So it's easy to be a, a pro athlete there. Mm. But okay. um, cool. It's yeah. a little bit like Turkey, like the kids go on field day when you were exactly. So oh yeah, so, like yeah. every every Friday for three weeks in the winter, our our school day would be going up to the ski mountain and skiing all all day long. Yeah. But so it's, yeah, there's tons of cyclists that move there now. And it's also at altitude for training. Um, but I'm actually in Northern California now. I've been here for 10 years. So that one was on my note. Why did you move to California? Because all the pros, they moved to Boulder. <laughs> yeah. Um, my wife, um, you know, we were dating while she was still in college and, and, uh, she wasn't just going to come to Europe and, and follow me on the world tour. She has her own degree and and uh her own yeah, it's great i uh, so you know she was looking for a job but i was like uh you know i can't go to new york or or chicago like i gotta go a bike friendly place and we found this one in santa rosa which is i've been there for training camp before it's where discovery channel and even alberto contadors and training camp here it's amazing road cycling and so she found a job there and immediately i was like oh that's amazing hell yes let's go so we just I wrote I wrote Levi's Fondo and I wrote with the engine tour over there. I remember Bram Tanking saying when we because the engine tour once started over there. I think first stage was in Santa Rosa. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and Tanking was really also in awe of the he's the root builder. Like yeah, <laughs> like yeah, he's the, the root builder. Tanking is okay. the root builder. And he was in awe of all the routes he could build over there, you know. So and basically, you wanted to train. We trained way, way too much before the race because oh, yeah. Tankic was doing all those nice routes, you know. And uh, yeah, so so I can confirm Santa Rosa is a real nice pl- place for. Help me uh, out. Is that north or south? North, north, north of San, San yeah. Francisco. North. Um, one hour north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, in the middle yeah. of wine country, surrounded in the vineyard. Ooh. Yeah, the vineyards are all. Open. Put it on our to do list. Yeah. But also yep. Boulder on our to do list. Uh, yeah. Do Do you miss uh, roadie life, roadie pro life? Sometimes I don't miss the the hotel rooms by yourself waiting. The day before the race was like the worst day, all the time. Like you're just you're sitting there, you're ready to go, and you're just you just have to sit and watch Netflix and just you feel like you're wasting life. Yeah, I I don't miss that. And honestly, with all the coronavirus pandemic and you hear about teams scared about their future and like the fact that I'm a privateer like you now, like it's just you're your own boss. You can still do things and do the adventure you need to do. It's honestly, I don't No, But what do I you mean, miss? it would have been, oh, there must be the competition, right? you know, like, yeah. And like just the, the competition actually being in the race, the actual racing. I love, I love road racing and, pro racing um you know it was dangerous all the time but at the same time it was just it was epic like i mean that always fighting on that knife edge i mean that's that's something cool you know it would have been nice to do another tour de france or something too but i just i had more goals in in gravel you know i'm having a lot more fun now i really am but um you know there's still things in road that i wanted to do but there's more there's all the parts over here i'm curious for the things you would want to do because actually you did almost everything except for the Olympics, right? Yeah. Yeah. Olympics was a big one I missed, unfortunately. Um, one more Tour de France, you know, after uh, all that. And and actually, you know, my biggest 
my biggest regret in pro road is I actually never got to win a big stage by myself. You know, I was part of the team time trial win. I won a bunch of young riders jerseys, mountains jerseys, but I actually, in under 23, I won mountaintop finishes in Europe. But in the pro road, I never actually like won a stage. I was always like domestic support late in the race or doing a GC or something. Um, and that I was a big one day in Amgen tour. I know. And there was uh, is that the one yeah. in second? Yeah, but he was on the he was on the he was on the on the front foot for the whole climb. Yeah. And nobody yeah. knew Julia Alaphilippe back then. Oh. Yep. And suddenly the, the the guy attacked me because I was in a chasing group of Pete, you know, with, uh, with I think with one and a half k, so one mile to go basically. He attacked, yeah. And it and Pete was like 30 seconds in front, and it was like you would fire a rocket. Like I was like, what the fuck? I was suffering. I knew I was still be able to do some kind of acceleration, but he was like like a rocket going away, and then he passed you on the finish line, I think, or just be. Uh, yeah, I was. I never even knew he was coming. Like that was to the point where I thought I had the win. I was like, "Oh my god, this is oh, the fuck. the fairy tale. This is my first season back from my broken leg, like the big mountain top." And I was even thinking about like, I mean, I was still going full gas, right? You're motivated. You can in, when you're winning, you can you you taste the finish and you actually go harder. But yeah, I was still thinking about even like the victory celebration and what I would do. And then all of a sudden he just whoosh, like, yeah, that <laughs> probably stopped my career short. Right <laughs> oh yeah. That was. yeah. And then you see who Alaphilippe is now and you understand yeah. at the same but time. But there like, you were like, what the fuck? Who's this little <laughs> French fuck yeah. tart? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I heard you mention also the, the, the broken leg part. Yeah, because that's what. So I, I, I don't know if people re- can remember it in Holland, but you had a bad crash in uh, Tour of Pay Basque. It's yep. one. It was the one with the pole, and they put like a pion, like a a cone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he shattered. You shattered your leg or your kneecap or something. Yeah, the kneecap was totally exploded into a whole bunch of pieces. The leg was cracked all the way down. Five ribs. Uh, my LCL ligament. I was uh, two weeks in in critical condition in the Spanish hospital, and that was yeah. like the main, like it was like a full stop of the career for for. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people thought I was done. You know, the doctors said, "Okay, maybe you're we're gonna walk again someday. Maybe we have to cut your leg off. Like we'll see how the recovery goes." And there, um, was, a, there was a mistake of the organization because they put like just a cone on a pole, but like it was on the middle of the road or like. Yeah. In the sprint finish. Yeah, in the sprint yeah. finish. Yeah. So that was their safety if measure. If you see those, I think Tessa will put this in the podcast notes. If you see that finish, yeah. it's like, what the fuck is happening? And then you came yeah. back in the end of the year? Already? Yeah, I started. I, yeah, so I was on a contract year with BMC and yeah. I, my back was against the wall. I had to show that I could still, you know, race. Um, so I, I three months. Three months later, I was allowed to actually put full weight on the leg again. And I trained for three weeks and I started the tour of Utah walking with a cane. <laughs> yeah, so I remember him not, wa- he was not be able to walk. During the tour of Utah, you were walking with a cane. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because so you I fin- were on a, on a contract year and you needed to perform. Yeah, and that's basically Trek said uh, BMC wasn't going to rehire me still, and Trek said 
shit, you know, if, if you can finish the tour of Utah after three weeks of training, like we think you can come back. Yeah. So that, that, that gave me, they gave me a minimum wage lifeline contract with my chance to prove myself again. Um, and then I spent four years with Trek. So it was great. Good years, right? What kind uh, of a team is that? With, with who did you ride? With who did he roam? Rumi. Mr. Who was his Rumi? Who? <laughs> <laughs> the one and only Malcolm yeah. No. The, uh, legend. Yeah, Long him and I. Time. We're still good friends. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Balka's great. He's a peculiar guy, but he, he's goofy. I, I get along with him great. He was yeah. probably the favorite, my favorite team leader of all the teams I was on. Like, I had so much fun racing with Balka. But, but you know, the English word for goofy means like. Apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Bauke, Bauke is, is goofy, but in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So what, you say it's, it was one of the coolest uh, lead, team leaders I wrote for. Why is that? What, what, what kind of a leader? I don't know. It? We just, I mean, we were, personally, we were friends. We were just, he was so easy to get along with. And I think also when I had come to Trek, he didn't ever have a very close, loyal domestique. You know, there was yeah. always, you know, yeah. Trek, there was the, the Schleck brothers and everything. And, you know, I was just like, you know, yeah, like Bauke, like, what do you need, man? Like, and he, he just, I remember it was Tor Romandy. He just, I think for him too, he was like, oh shit, you're still here. Like, just, you know, like start pulling on this climb for me. Like I'm feeling good. And I think for him too, like he'd never really given that kind of the same order before. And even though the team was kind of like, why did you use Pete there? I think that was good for both of us. Like it was, he got to, be more of a leader and test the, you know, that relationship a bit. And, you know, and, and I was able to sacrifice everything for him coming from my broken leg. Um, but we always stayed close. You know, I always got along with him in the room and, and all his habits around stretching and reading his books and stuff. And we just, we had fun. Like we talked about family. So I, rem um, I, I remember you talking about his stretching and I was so surprised <laughs> because at, at team uh, every night, man, for, 30 minutes and he always decides too late. He decides at like 1130 at night. He's like, oh, I need to do my exercises. So he's like in his little shorty underwear like this, you know, at 1130 every night. <laughs> Because he um, didn't used to do yeah. like that. And, and me and Pete were always talking in the race. We were always talking like, and I asked him about Bauke and he, he told me the stretch yeah. story. And I was so, I was so surprised actually. But I think when Bauke moved to track, he made a move also nutrition wise. And, yeah. and, oh. and, and uh, also, yeah, he still got more pro. Yeah. I mean, always from, I mean, he's, he's doing top 10 in January and top 10 in October yeah. and, everything between and and then after the tour you win san sebastian but still after lombardi he's also going for the win in japan cup yeah. and he's <laughs> never angry he you know he never he never yelled at guys if, if things went wrong you know he was just uh he was always calm and and relaxed and that you know no. i yeah we had a lot of fun together and uh just to close off the the bauke story how's the reading because after 11:30 he starts stretching for 20 minutes after that he starts re reading also or <laughs> he goes yeah. to sleep then because i remember when we uh, in the in uh, after lombardy he said dude i am not he, he won we went uh, out for a dinner with him and he was sitting yeah. like well i, I I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> I will. I think I will read something. He just won two of Lombardy, drank two bottles yeah. of wine practically. Oh, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to sleep. Yeah, after you know, he, he won Lombardy, and I remember he went out for your after party uh, and your 
career ending party. And then, uh, yeah, he came back and had another bottle of wine with us at the hotel. And then, <laughs> and yeah, it's okay. But he, so he just, uh, and the week after he, he flicked Michael Woods. Yeah. <laughs> One more round. <laughs> You have to explain that a little bit because that's also well, how, how do you flick? Uh, uh, it was in the Japan Cup and uh, oh, it was yeah. 500 <laughs> meters to go. And Michael Woods, uh, it was the week after Lombardy, I think. That Michael Woods yeah. asked him how, how, how far to go, Bauke. He says one lap and then he starts to sprint and he wins the yeah. race. <laughs> you know, and other guys, they see that as like this real dick move, but I read it and I was just like, yeah, yeah that's Bauke. Like, he's yeah. like, oh, you're going to give me this opportunity right now? Like, this is racing. And he's not going to apologize. No. And he's not angry about that. Or if Woods was angry, he doesn't even get angry back. He's just oh. like... Yeah. He's just laughing at it. He actually, yeah. he won. He thought it was funny how he did it to Woods. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, the, the guy's goofy, but he's, he's tough as nails. He wants to win. Oh, yeah. He's a winner. Oh, yeah. Met de Meat Lovers breng je een restauranterfaring bij je thuis. Lekker in je eigen vertrouwde omgeving, maar dan met de kwaliteit die je in een restaurant zou verwachten. Volle bak genieten. En hoe jouw kookkunsten ook zijn, de Meat Lovers heeft producten voor keuken, prinsessen en prinsen op alle niveaus. En ze helpen je graag verder om jouw kookkunsten te perfectioneren. Ga dus meteen naar themeatlovers.nl slash podcast. Je krijgt daar namelijk met de code LIFTSLOWRIDEFAST 15% korting op je bestelling. En alsof dat nog niet genoeg is, geven ze bij de Meat Lovers elke aflevering van de podcast een vuurkoning barbecue pakket weg de waarde van 100 euro. Het enige wat je moet doen is je even inschrijven op themeatlovers.nl slash podcast. We maken de winnaar weer bekend in de volgende podcast. Check themeatlovers.nl slash podcast en knal maar aan die barbecue door met de show. Do you guys know when you guys first met, by the way, Lawrence, Pete? In the in the, I, the, the the road peloton, your fondest was, fondest memory was, of each other. We, we raced each other for sure all the way through Pro Tour. But I think I remember you the year you lived in California, you know, and I saw you at local events and Truckee, you know. As like, yeah. I I lived up in Tahoe too, so I would see Lawrence like passing on the way to the, the Donner Climb and texting with you a bit. Um, so, but that was already late. I think uh, for sure we raced already because I was some pro cycling stats. We did, for example, the Tour de France 2014 all already together. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, that's yep. a big race. And uh, yes. and it must have been, like, endless uh, Tour of Catalunyas. Because I did uh, nine of yeah. them, you did nine of them or something like that. I did ten. Like, I did Tour of Catalunya every year of my career. I never yeah. got to do Torino or anything. It was always Catalunya. So, yeah. um, so what is it with that race? You also... I did. It's like Climber. Uh, I, I don't feel like doing one more year of Catalonia this year. <laughs> Did you have the same? It was one of his. Oh yeah, I, I asked. I, I asked, but um, you know, I was based in Girona forever. Ever like one of the early guys in Girona before that was a popular thing too. Um, so it was it was like the home race too. I knew of all of the, the yeah. climbs. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm really curious about your uh, your switch to gravel because this is roadie life. Let's let's close down that All chapter. Right. But first, let's talk about um, uh, let's listen to a message from our friends at the Meat Lovers. TheMeatLovers.nl, the highest quality meat, ordered online and delivered to your home. And whatever your cooking skills are, no more excuses, because the Meat Lovers not only has the tastiest meat but also the best recipes and videos in which they are happy to help you perfect your cooking skills. 
check out www.themeatlovers.nl slash podcast. You now get a 15% discount on your order with the code LISTSLOWRIDEFAST. And like that's not enough, the upcoming episodes of the podcast, we will also give away a Fire King barbecue package worth 100 euro. All you have to do is register at themeatlovers.nl slash podcast. We will announce the winner in the following podcast. So take a look at themeatlovers.nl slash podcast and have a blast at your next barbecue. On with the show. So Pete, I saw you firing up the the barbecue uh, in the middle of the freaking desert after your dirty cancelled endeavor enjoying the music mm. that was probably one of the coolest clips i saw from all the footage we got from dirty cancel really Hello. cool yeah yeah explain explain was, what I, the footage was about i watched it yesterday because we're still making the movie about uh, from dirty cancelled so we did some editing and uh, the guy next to me uh, stefan he was in awe of all the all the clips pete sent did sent in especially <laughs> because he gave me so much shit and, <laughs> and Stephen always likes it when people give me shit, you know. And they also so because uh, to explain to the people who don't know, uh, Pete wrote uh, "Dirty Cancelled," the event we created uh, May 30th, uh, in order to of "Dirty Cancel" actually to 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 write uh, the ride at home. And he wrote from uh, from Tahoe towards uh, Black Rock. Yep, Black Rock Desert. And that's where uh, the the Burning Man Festival uh, is happening. So yep. I saw, so I listened. Uh, so the the last clip, you see Pete, he's in his chair, drinking beers, eating tacos. Uh, Levi is enjoying himself, and I think that was like how we made, how we wanted to be dirty cancelled. Right. So Pete nailed it, explicitly and- stating in the camera. I'm in a good place. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> I was in a good trip then. Yeah. 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 So that was it's cool. Great. You, uh, you enter, they call it the playa. It's this uh, old ancient riverbed uh, that's just, it's so vast and, and it's not even a millimeter of elevation gain. Um, and the dust is so fine. You actually don't want to ride your bike on it because the dust is so fine that it gets inside everything and it ruins it. So, like we rode for the video, we rode like, 20 feet out and then just stopped and got off the bike. But, um, but we made it there. And, and that was, you know, that was the dirty cancel project was just that it was your inspiration. Like you hit me up and it was like, I want you to do this thing. And cause before I was like, I don't want to ride 200 miles by myself. That sounds horrible. And, <laughs> but then the idea and having that adventure, like I got so into it. So of course we had to do the post ride celebration and yeah. Um, how was your day? How, how how was it? It was good. It was, um, so that the the Western U.S. for all the Europeans listening is so big and vast. I mean, you have what I said are the playas, these dry, flat riverbeds, and there, there's the famous one in Black Rock. But we passed by others on the way, and you know it's so big and unforgiving there's nothing out there and there's no water so instead of like having the two plotted aid stations like you had i actually had my wife basically stop for us with the cooler and the water twice on the ride um and there's nothing like there was literally nothing and and at one point you know we weren't ready i was like okay like i need my second stop like but it's it's 
like 40 degrees Celsius right now. And like, I still, I know I have like four more hours. Like I need to make it a little further. And she drove too far ahead. And literally as soon as you were out of water once, it was a headwind, it was sand. Like we were, we started to panic. Like we, and there's no cell service out there. Um, How's Levi when he panics? <laughs> he gets really quiet and he starts riding even harder. <laughs> I was like, why are you half wheeling me now? What the like, <laughs> Uh, so so Levi is your, is half wheeling you. You're out of water. It's 40 degrees. You have a headwind, and then yeah, <laughs> yeah and is this like a hill? It feels like a mountain, but it's a hill in the desert. And uh, you see this one playa like for way in front of you. And luckily, I saw my wife's little blue Subaru down right by the bottom. And so we just ripped down the hill like it was a finish. Um, and there was I don't. I think I sent you the footage of we're just sitting in the car for like 10 minutes talking yeah. <laughs> like that was we had to get in the air conditioning and just like take a take a few minutes to like come to life again. Um, and then like we ride along that playa and you realize like, oh, Black Rock Desert is at that mountain at the other end. And you realize you've been riding the same direction for two hours and it doesn't look any different. Like it's so big. Yeah, it's it's totally wild. It's such a cool experience out there. But so. you made it. We made it. And then uh, you had this little after party in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I, it's all like this open wilderness. So, I mean, you have people who wish they were at Burning Man and they just drive their truck onto the playa and sleep there for one week. And um, But there's like yeah. nothing. So Burning Man is a festival in the desert where it's nothing. Yeah, like and it, it literally they create a city. Like if you look on Google Maps like on the playa, you'll actually see like the, the outline of the city and there's street names and shops and stalls and everything. Like it's permanent. It comes there for one or two weeks and then it totally vanishes and they pick everything up and you can't even ever tell it was there. It's like this weird utopian society and the idea of that. But Levi had been to Burning Man once or twice an hour, maybe even three times. He, he enjoys it. Um, and it's not, when you go there, there's like the whole party scene, but I guess there's also like the whole utopian society like there's no money and but you can go to these shops and trade what you have for other things it's like a different idea around how the world could work um so i mean so there's like families there with kids and stuff um it's wild but um so levi was just like you've never been there and he was the one that actually made the idea of the route and then i made it on the gps um but yeah to actually because i'd never been so that was my my awesome. entry man you will be in the movie, and, uh, and this particular clip will also uh, be in. Um, uh, Pete, what what I'm really curious, what made you move to gravel while you still had some roadie pro years left? Um, Why? Because you're 33 years now. 32, 3? I'm 32. Yeah, this year I'll be 33. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I still have... I still have ambition and motivation but it was the gravel scene in the u.s and lawrence you've seen it you know i mean it's just so fun and it's out there and then when i did the the belgian waffle ride this year it was bigger production than the tour california stage it was crazy and i was just it was this moment where i was like i you know no i can i think i can make this thing a reality um Pete himself did, uh, so 2019, he was still racing for Trek Sega Fredo. Yeah. But while he was in the US, he did his uh, he did his own alternative program. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was in your contract, right? Yeah, I, I pushed that into my contract yeah. when I restarted yeah. them. So he, he was allowed to race uh, the gravel races like I was allowed in 2016, but he did 
The Belgian Buffer Ride and Dirty Cans I May and in between you did Ambient Tour. I remember. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, the guy wins Belgian Buffer Ride. Yeah. And he's second in Kenza. So uh, it was pretty good campaign, I guess. I don't know. Did you race more, more in... Uh, uh, Leadville. I did oh, Leadville too. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, were it, out, you were sprinting with Quinn. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, he, was, uh, he was sprinting with a 70-year-old guy with a beard like this. <laughs> Superman. <laughs> I thought he was a 35-year-old master. Yeah, I thought so too. The and, then, and then we were talking on a climb like one hour to go. He's like, I met you at Worlds. I was on the junior team and I'm trying to convince your team to hire me. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but he's mature. He's smart. Yeah. Like I tried, I attacked him four times in the last miles and he, he would not take a pull. He was like a track racer. He's... Yeah, cool. he's a competitive guy. Uh, so, <laughs> so you did those those three races, really successful actually. Yeah, like I would sign for those results immediately yeah. right now if I if you give me a paper. No, we won't settle for that loud. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens then? Because I told already once in the podcast, I think you can better win Dirty Kenza than uh, a Giro stage, yeah. for example. Yeah, you agree. Well, Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, gravel now it's yeah. going, you know, in the U.S. Like in, in Torre, California, I would swing off after helping Richie and Richie's up the mountain trying to win the race. Yeah, and I'm riding up just trying to get the, you know, make time cut. And, and guys are yelling on the side of the road, Belgian waffle winner. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. holy cow, people know this yeah. event. Yeah. Like That says it all. Yeah, it was crazy. Um So no, I mean, and Dirty Kanza, you know, like Colin Strickland became a household name in cycling because of Dirty Kanza and and beating the World Tour pros. I mean, it's it shows too that the level's pretty high on in other aspects. Like it's everyone thought the World Tour pros were just going to come with all the fitness and and destroy everybody, which wasn't the case. Yeah. So I, I understand why you uh, uh, you made the switch, but uh, then uh, your life basically turns upside down because you don't have normally you have a you have a team that that arranges it all for you and you just have to uh, have to enter the the normally you have to sign one contract and then the then you just have to write hard yeah and now i think yeah. he has to send 15 emails a day to, you're basically <laughs> to a, a team leader yourself for yourself right yeah 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 the That's hardest good. part is The hardest part is setting up these freaking podcasts when guys keep changing times on you and yeah. telling you to wake up at 7 a.m. for Europe. And <laughs> We would have traveled to you. We love you too, man. It's, it's, it's blame it on COVID. Blame it on COVID. Um, it's a lot more work. And I mean, Lawrence, we had, a, we had a beer and talked about this when he was here for the Grasshopper before, yeah. which was like probably the only gravel race we'll do. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> It was, it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a hustle. I mean, and biking almost comes secondary. And, you know, like for me, like I still train, like I, you know, I said, like I'm racing this professionally, but um, this, I'm doing 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. days with emails. I'm not training. And, and like you said, it's you, you create your own brand and your own portfolio of sponsors, just like a world tour team. But It's a lot more work, but it's also, it's your project. You know, it's your connections. It's, it's companies that you enjoy talking to and caring about. Um, Are you doing this all by yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
You don't have this like genius media dude to also host your podcast. <laughs> he's he's coming up with all the cool ideas, <laughs> like Lawrence. Yeah, we can take yeah. we can take you we can take you in the lips. I don't. Fast I don't team. have. A, I I'm I'm open for sale. Ah, okay. <laughs> this is a privateer but on a serious <laughs> note do you how do you relate to what he's uh you know basically no, what no, he's saying uh, from the, we have to manage all things so so right in order to have some time to train left oh yeah now the thing yeah. is right now like uh, it was put as a joke but it is not a joke like yeah. before you just sign a contract yeah and then you get the email with flight times you get your mm -hmm. clothes at home You get your bikes at home. Uh, I don't know. Your manager arranges your tax, and now you have to arrange your own sponsors, your own flights, your own bikes, your own clothing, your own nutrition, your own everything. Yeah. Even the contract, trying to like create the the race jersey, you know, and dealing with sponsor logo sizes and all that, and they're fighting between each other. It's yeah. So yeah. that's all. So basically, you're running a team on your, on yeah. your own. But that's it's also the cool thing about it because when I want to race in pink, I race in pink, you know, you and, and stuff like that. So you can decide whatever you want to do. And was there was there yeah. ever a moment, Pete, that you thought, "Fuck it, I, this is too much. I just want to ride my bike." Now I'm yeah. only shooting emails all freaking day. I'm out. Yeah. For sure, there's been a few of those days, but um, at the same time too, you also realize that this is gravel and it's it's more of a lifestyle and performance isn't everything. I mean, there, you know, shit breaks all the time. Things go wrong out there and there's no help. There's no team car. So you just have to have a good time about it. And, and I think it's still the most important and what everyone's trying to make sure gravel stays is it's it's still a lifestyle and the party like i don't think you or me or anybody want gravel to just become road racing off road like strada bianchi is not gravel and like that's what you did at low gap is like you know you were like dude i've been on the road like doing film projects with like specialized i got here like yeah i'm gonna ride the low gap i'm gonna go hard and have fun on the downhill but like you i also know. tried to go hard on the uphill but you dropped me <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it is like you know you showed up and you just were like yeah, yeah you know everyone looked at me as this yeah. world tour pro but you know i'm not worried like you didn't podium you did a top 10 i think because you're a super talent <laughs> but then you just got back and you just started cracking beers and eating tacos and it's the, the the result is almost secondary and of course it's important to win for your partners and your sponsors and and if you're a competitive person but um yeah so i mean so it's it's still worth it even when But yeah, you miss the days of it's only your job to be fast on a bike. And you realize too, like, it's such a hard lifestyle being a world tour pro. It's freaking dangerous in the racing. And it's it's so hard all the time with, with the diet and all that. But it's really easy. Like, it's it's just one thing you have to do, you know? Yeah, this is way more complex. Yeah. You, you just mentioned uh, lifestyle and, and being a pro and looking at watching your, your dinner and, and, and nutrition yeah. all day. Do you still do that? No. I mean, when I get ready for a race, like, yeah, I try to get a little bit better of a race weight. You know, I, I look at the scale once a week kind of thing and just see where I'm at. I mean, I'm still training. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's also, I feel like the graveler's rule is you can't say no to a beer. I think, you know, during COVID, I probably have a beer 90% of the nights. <laughs> like, why not? You know, and um, yeah, thanks, man. I, I know I'm jealous that it's 5 p.m. over there. <laughs> I'm having a zip of my uh, my beer and uh, <laughs> I got coffee for it. Also for, for you, because 
for you also, like like you say, you're a, co- a competitive person, mm-hmm. and in the like in in the COVID times, is it also for you now more difficult to train and stay on race weight and stuff like that? For sure. Yep. Yeah, you have to create little goals. Like that's what Dirty Cancelled was. It was like all of a sudden you just need a little bit of a push and a motivation, and you know, you reaching out and being like, hey. Dirty Cancel Project, like do this. And that was enough to make me like, oh, I'm going to create a route. Oh man, this is 200 miles. Like I'm going to do two big rides Monday, Tuesday. And then I'm actually going to take a few days easy so I can be ready for this. Like, And it actually sets up your whole week. So I think you still have to find those goals even during the COVID, even if it's not a race. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's the fact that it's a strange year. You know, you start privateering and then you get this like 2020 fucked up year, no races. But yeah. does it make you uh, stressed? You have to be creative. And I think all of us, you know, the human race is super creative and you guys are freaking creative. And it's it's getting tiring, like creating one thing after another. Yeah. Like today I'm doing another project that is my next creative project. But at the same time, you're like, I just want to race. And I see you guys in Europe and you guys are actually opening up a lot better than we are now in the US because we didn't shut down well enough. But um. talking about that situation was also on my list. How is it? Because I, I I read the newspapers. How are things evolving actually in the US? It's I think the biggest thing is that the US is so big and there's such a different culture from north to south to east to west that um it depends where you are. And here in California, everyone's pretty on it. Like they're, it's a pretty liberal state and everyone is really concerned about it. But then, you know, I, I just joined the van life thing, right? I got a big old sprinter van now and a bed in it because I saw when events do happen, I want to be self-contained and responsible and not deal with hotels and flights and rental cars. Um, but I had to go all the way to uh, Atlanta, Georgia to pick this thing up. And as I drove back across the U.S., I was the only person in gas stations wearing a mask and these types of things. Um, so it's it's really it's state by state. Um, and we're having another spike, it looks like. But that said, um, from what I can see, like events are I, I have an event on the calendar in one month up in Oregon. So each each state has different rules. Um and as far as gravel, it's they're they're kind of in the same uh, realm as like outdoor farmers markets. You know, like mm. if it's outside, no spectators, you have the right protocols. I think they'll be doing wave starts, so you know the pros go off, then the young expert men, young expert women, and it won't ever look the same this year. But I mean, I will I will be racing in a month. I I, I was also on the phone with Ted King, speaking about another gravel dude. And yeah. ask his opinion, for example, for for Kenza, if it's going to happen this year, stuff like that, mm. because we're planning traveling to the US. And if I look to how the spike is going now, and like you said, you cannot put the US in one bucket because it's it's so different yeah. in the north, south, east and west. I was wondering if, you, if we're still racing each other because we did one race in January. I know. <laughs> And, uh, uh, and and I don't know, we we put Kenza, it's still on, but we're also thinking about maybe do one big trip to, to, to Belgium Waffle Ride, which is in November now. So 
Um, you know, send me a text in a, in a week. I have a, I'm going to have dinner with the organizer of Belgian waffle ride this week. Cause my okay. part of my film project is in San Diego down there writing part of that course. Um, okay. it's, that's the weird thing. The big, the big ones, Kansas, BWR, those, how do you change that when you have 3000, 3,500 people on the start line? You know, that's different than, you know, for me, the Oregon trail is going to happen, which is a five day camping stage race. That's all gravel, you know, but you just you set up your tent, you know, two meters apart kind of thing. Um, you follow those rules and that's 250 people. So it's, it's hard to tell. I also think just the U S and the way that our culture is, you can't like the lockdown that happened in Spain would not work here. I mean, people are already going crazy and fighting. So I don't think they will open more things. I think they won't, I don't think they'll they'll make things more strict though either because the economy will people freak out about the economy. So I think it's just going to stay like this for a while, personally. But and there's yeah. there's another big thing going on in the U.S. now. Mm. There's actually two things, you know, the 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 debate on racism and COVID, mm-hmm. you know, maybe hand in hand, but also there's a dispute on cancer. Yeah, um, that's that weird. Here? What's happening? Explain us. Okay, so yeah, for everyone that doesn't understand, um, you know, the U.S. has deeply racist ties ingrained in our culture. Um, You know, it's, you know, the southern U.S. was founded on Confederacy. Slavery was a part of that. um, And it's still an issue to this day, even though, you know, where I live in Boulder or California is, you don't even see it, you know, but um, there's other places where it's dangerous to be a black person still. Um, and I think it's just, there's been enough issues with police brutality that people are, it broke, like people are fighting back now and they, they can't take it anymore. Um, so that's, that's become a big issue. And there's actually been road riots and protests for racial justice during all the COVID lockdowns. Um, what's interesting is that we're not actually seeing a big, big spike in COVID cases in the areas with the big protests, meaning that more or less when you're masking up and you're, um, if you're outside, it looks like outdoors and sunlight is actually helping it a lot, which is a good thing for, you know, bike events and all that. Um, same happened in the Netherlands, by the way, big demonstration. Everybody was angry. No spike. Really good. I mean, yeah. So that's really good for outdoor racing. (laughs) Um, and then, and dirty Kansas, um, it's a weird one just because right now in social media, everybody likes to find their battle and, and people want to create injustices. I feel like it's almost popular at the moment. Um, Dirty Kanza can technically in some people's eyes be a racist slur towards the Kaw nation, which is based the, the native Americans in Kansas are called the Kaw tribe. Um, Kanza can be a term for them. And dirty obviously can mean more things than just gravel dirt. Um, so there's a group of people that started a petition and it, it went away pretty fast. But now with what's happened again, um, it's come back. It's weird just because even the Kaw Nation came out and said, dirty Kanza is not what you guys think it is. Like, we're OK with it. It's just a homage to the land. However, we're also realizing that in the U.S., this the racism is so deeply ingrained that even if you don't mean it to be racist, the fact that it can be taken that way just means the whole culture has to shift. Um, so they're in some hot water and it's, it's unfortunate. Um, 
How does it affect the event? I think you have to consider a name change. I mean, I, I think the event will happen. That just depends on COVID, whether the event happens. But now there's this whole other thing of the name change, right? And does that happen this year? I mean, do they just, just call it... Careful cancer or something. Yeah, you know, do they just change the name briefly? But then they lose all the assets, the marketing, all that. Um, yeah. You know, it's just... it's oh, difficult. And it's just social media in general right now is so fiery you know and, and you're almost in trouble if you say something or and you're in trouble if you say nothing it's <laughs> how about your sponsors or your they're really cool. um you know it's they're all supportive if you want to do these events you can and if you are not comfortable don't go um you know it's a whole nother weird thing at least you know being a privateer is great because i'm my own boss i can make the decision yeah. you know you know as, a, as an employee or as an employer if you send an employee to an event and tell them they have to go and they get coronavirus and they die, you as the employer are liable. Like their family can sue you and it's just another. So, but also, Pete, it, it has to do if your employer wants you to go to Gertie Cancer because you then you need to comply with, with company policy, so to say. Yeah. But now you can make up your own decision which yeah. puts it in a totally different spot. It's like, do I want to go or yeah. not? Now it's your decision instead of your employer. Yeah. And what's your what's your opinion? You still want to go? I mean, I, I'm a race and ruin gravel, man. Like if there's yeah, an event, I, I got it's a van. a gravel pro. I like that. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm full pro. No excuses. Yeah. So yeah, you Mark. drive the van over there. I'm going to drive the van to Kansas if it happens in September. I'm going to go to Whole Foods in in California before and load up my own refrigerator. Um, Next year, we'll put the guy in a Live Slow Ride Fast shirt. <laughs> He's part of the team. The biggest, barbecue, the biggest post-race barbecue in town. You guys can't afford me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You want to be part okay, of the guys, cool guys or what? It's time, uh, it's time for... Um, uh, I, I want to get into European versus uh, U.S. gravel, but first oh, I want to um, dive into a quick matches from our partner at Futurum Shop, uh, and that is about bikepacking. And I just stumbled upon you, Mr. Pete Statena. Yeah, bikepacking. Mr. Gravel Pro, how are Gravel Pros bikepacking? Yeah, that was, I like saw it. you bikepacking. <laughs> I, I saw the the pro uh, bike uh, gear all set up. You look like I a had pro, to man. Get my, I, I looked pro, but that's the part of being a pro is you look pro. I was I was cat five. I was <laughs> it was bad. It was uh, bikepacking is amazing. It was my first time, um, but I had you know pro is a sponsor for me as well, and they have yeah. crazy bags and. Uh, you know, I have that double handlebar on the Canyon Grail, so you can actually put like a bigger bag and like rest it on the bottom bar. So I had, I was overpacked. It was it was only a one night, a two day, one night thing. You know, I think it was know uh, all about that, my friend, being overpacked. Yeah, yeah. but it's. I mean, I wasn't like sleeping in in a toilet overnight. You took your beauty bag with you. Oh, wow. oh. He's, he's, he's bringing in the the backpacking yeah. toilet toilet uh, thing. Um, but we got caught in a rainstorm and luckily my buddy is really experienced. Um, and so he was like instructing me at 10 o'clock at night. We just had the tarp, no tent. And I was with a stick digging a little trench to make the water run around. <laughs> awesome. And I was, that, that's actually probably the moment when I was like, I wish I was just in the world tour. In a camp. <laughs> or just, you, you wish you were in our toilet. Yeah, in our <laughs> toilet Hilton. 
If there was a toilet, I would have been sleeping in it. <laughs> so did the bikepacking virus get you a little bit? A little bit. Um, I don't know if I'm at the moment where my wife and I can go and make it a bonding trip yet. Yeah, because that's <laughs> level four, mate. She would be too scared I would kill her. I don't know what I'm doing, but... Uh, Wait until you're 40, your wife. No, but when you guys come, Lawrence, you texted me this the other day. There's a uh, Tahoe Rim bikepacking trip. I saw, and yeah. that, that loop that you sent me, actually, my little cabin in Tahoe is right at the halfway point. So it's it could be like two days, Movie stop time. In, the, in the forest, swimming holes, Crystal Tahoe, one night, have a nice shower, grill up some food <laughs> like a normal house, and then keep going. Sounds like a plan. Pete, not only did we at Liveslow Ride Fast just release the video in which uh, Lawrence gets a bunch of pro tips from uh, one of our uh, Dutch best-known bikepacking specialists, like somebody who really knows, Pete, like a silk mountain, mountain road race You know what he guy. brought? He brought a poop scrap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, like, uh, like oh, oh. yeah, okay, translate that. Yeah, a scoop to, to, to oh, leave poop, no poop scoop. Yeah, a poop scoop. No, that's smart. <laughs> so if you want to get into bikepacking, check out our YouTube video, but also check out uh, something our partner Futurum Shop uh, put up. It's the little clip that you see that Laurens with the, with the with all the stuff that goes in the bike pack in the in the pro bike gear. It's it's a lot of stuff, and it all goes in this uh, these little bags. Well, Futurum Shop dot uh, nl slash Livslow Ride Fast. If you go there, you can find the ultimate bikepacking list for a bikepacking trip. And on that list, everything perfectly fits in that pro bike bag, guaranteed. And for podcast listeners only, you now get 10 euro off on your next order. So go to futureshop.nl slash fast, place your order for free delivery, and your trip can start already tomorrow. We can go. You now. know what I did with my pro bike bag? At the last stop before camping, we bought beers and they have all the elastic bands on the top and it cinches down the beers for a rough gravel road so you can get to the camp. <laughs> pro tip. Hey, pro tip. Pro Thanks. Tip. On with Six the show. Pack. Pete, is the, um, uh, how does US gravel differ from European gravel? And I'm talking like the rocks. Eh? Like the, 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 yeah. the, 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 is there something like US gravel? No. Does that exist? No. It's a lifestyle. Um, gravel, the racing mean, you know, the riding, it's, it's in a, the, the lifestyle format, you know, the, the mass start, the party. But I mean, Sierra Nevada, Truckee gravel is way different than Kansas gravel, different than uh, Mid-South red mud. Um, it's all different, you know. Um, If you want to see pictures of mud, you were doing a race in, in the beginning of the year. Yeah, the Mid-South. That's like the first big one. Big gravel race the u.s is that yeah. the red uh, the, the the red mud yeah the red mud yeah. that they were all walking oh yeah it was insane it's like it's like a sticky gum when it gets a little bit of water in it uh, it just it ripped my rear derailleur off just pedaling it was crazy sticky no gum. way and then so they have all different kinds of gravel because this is sticky gum mud yeah we did low gap in the beginning of the year together they called it over there peanut butter mud Which was yeah. like that's not the same. It's like the, no, nope. uh, at least the no. color is not the same. I don't know about the <laughs> substantiation or like, yeah. but uh, the peanut butter mud was. Also, and then I also had already a movie of Pete with a, with a plug from Dyna Plug, I think, where he showed me how to plug a tire from Kansas gravel rocks. Shop yeah, stuff. Those are like that's the hard part about Kansas. Is it's like it's it's like knives. 
you literally are just slicing your tire. So you need all that. It's the Flint Hills are crazy. Is that is the are are that those the the basically the three because in Europe in the Netherlands in the Netherlands we have this basically it's not it's even finer than the gravel you find in uh, mm. in the Strade Bianchi you know it's yeah. like actually little little shells actually actually the a lot it's of the things sand. you can do on the on the road bike yeah yeah or on an endurance yeah. bike yeah yeah yeah, yeah the Waffle Ride is a little bit like that right you do yeah, it on a road bike with two yeah yeah i raced i i raced belgian waffle ride on a road bike with 28s last year no way and you yeah won. yeah <laughs> race race winning that's a race winning yeah. strategy yeah uh, november 7. but yeah. are those I mean, are those <laughs> are those basically the the gravel types or is it like there are endless it's endless, endless types of it, gravel yeah it's just it depends on where you are but i you know like europe um I haven't done gravel there yet, but I mean, I know like mountain biking in Girona, like those rocks are old and ancient, like from stone castles. Like it's, it's sharp. Like you cut your tires. I bet it's way different than the Netherlands. No, I mean, I saw you were bikepacking over in Girona, right? I did. Yeah, we did. We know it was in Girona. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so for the, for the bike, what, what, what is then a typical U.S. bike? Like you have tubeless or wider tires than we use, or what kind yeah, of yeah, we're doing what kind of tires you use now. It's all different. I mean, um, you know, I, my tire sponsor is IRC, and I run a thirty-six for the the smooth stuff. Probably like if I were going to visit you, and then I have uh, forty and forty-two, and one is like a, a little file tread for almost like pavement, and then one is more of like almost a mountain bike tire. Okay. But you don't really need to go wider than a 42 yet. Crazy. You have one by or two by? I'm on two by on the GRX. So it's all the GRX electronic. Um, two by. D- Dura-Ace power meter for the roadie crank. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, let, let's, before we get into the power meter saga, let's two by. Because in the Netherlands, we, we posted a video with, uh, with you guys Lawrence explaining his two by. And I also also ride two by because of it. There you go. But it's not standard. eh? Those bikes, they go out the the bike shop with a one by. eh? It's all one by, one by, one by. And I was under the impression that one by is is something that came from you, Yanks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You came up with the one by. Yeah. Um, It depends, you know, what what your style is. It's cleaner. You are dealing with mud and all that stuff. Like just a something else that won't break but um the two by especially if you're doing like a lot of hills and steep stuff i mean just to have the gear changing capability and just have more options and even kanza like just to always have the right gear for the cadence because it's so long out there but but uh, but, uh, now we go nerdier but if you go two by to kanza you use 4831 or something else no, I would gearing do, now for everybody yeah, who doesn't yeah. understand anymore. Two by means two chain rings in front, uh, yep. giving you more options uh, gearing wise. It's, we're I talking would, gearing. I, I would have a fifty forty two. Fifty forty two. Oh, it's yeah. like the real Robert. Yeah, Robert gearing. He used. So then every school. That's old school. Yeah, every little shift in the back is like a, a smaller change. Then you know yeah. you have more in a smaller is like uh for crusher and the tusher if you came out for that like that's you know three thousand meters of climbing in in 160k and so that's 
you know, you want the the fifty two thirty six, almost like a, a road compact, is what I do. Um, mm. that's, but yeah. that's because he needs his power meter. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's dive into that. Let me ask uh, Laurens this: Why no power meter? It's like yeah. gravel is also about performing, right? And if you want to perform, you want to know what to perform. No, 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 I'm, I'm only information. I'm always taking. It's basically because I'd like to take the piss with. Peter. He's going to back <laughs> down. <the> now. <laughs> But uh, no, since I, since I retired, I don't like to watch the power anymore. Only mm. on Swift. It's more that. Yeah, because You're I glad. just ride, like to ride. I also don't do minutes or stuff like that. I just ride till I'm to the top. Uh, actually, last week I did minutes, but that was because I was training with Tom Dumoulin. It's oh, man. Funny. And he did like one minute intervals and I didn't watch my, my, my computer. So I was right on the tail of his wheel. And every time he stopped, I always was almost like hit his back wheel because and he was like because he didn't know, he didn't do like this or something and he was like why are you hitting my wheel I said yeah I'm just following you I said yeah, but I stopped after one minute I said but I'm not watching my computer it's like, a surprise you even have a computer no but so, you were so on the limit that you had to follow too close to him otherwise you get dropped yeah i was really on the limit to be honest i was on the limit but but pete can you relate to what uh Lawrence is stating like he says i'm not doing blocks and i'm not watching minutes anymore i'm i'm done I can't with that. I, I still do that some yeah and that's how i learned to to train too you know is i i always found pleasure out of doing the, the workouts yeah. like he was so, he, even me and Lawrence, we do gravel the same year but we're we're a little bit of a different generation like yeah. i I turned pro with a power meter, you see, yeah. like, it wasn't, and I still do the soul ride. Like I would say there's two or three rides a week where it's, I just have the computer on time and a compass and I just go for five hours and adventure. But then there's other days when it's like, you know, no, I'm going to do the workouts that I know get me fast. <laughs> he likes that. He likes I like that. that. <laughs> it's like best of both worlds, you know? Exactly. Hey guys, sh shall we, shall we, let's, let's slowly wrap things up a little bit. Okay. As this a guy has a, 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 a 30 people uh, a film crew standing in front of his porch <laughs> now. What's the, uh, what's the chance of us seeing each other this year? Somewhere along the start line? If you guys... What's your program? Um, what's your program? Yeah, I've been talking. I've been keeping my ear to the ground with a lot of organizers. I will be racing in Bend, Oregon at the end of July. The Cascade Gravel Grinder. Uh, there still might be some fun projects happening in Colorado in August. Uh, there's the Oregon Trail five-day gravel grinder stage race at the end of August. Um, Lawrence, the Truckee Dirt Fondo run by Carlos and Bike Monkey is still going in the oh. first weekend of September. But yeah, and then uh, all the way into, oh, there's there's a bunch of events in Utah because Utah is more open for business. They don't uh, see coronavirus as the same threat. Um, I got a question, like your original calendar, because that may, that's also a big difference in between the US and Europe. How many mm -hmm. races or events you could do or you would do like the original without COVID? You could race every weekend from April to November. Yeah. No way. That's the difference. Oh, yeah. You had like, and, and like 10 rides. Yeah. Oh, races. and like, as soon as you make these decisions, like you realize there's date conflicts. I mean, the US is so big too, but... There's even date conflicts within California. I mean, there's something like 700 events or something in the U.S. this year. Gravel. Um, so I want to come here. So I'm still waiting for my my. Um, I'm still waiting for my gravel ride invitation. By the way. Oh no no! But th this year, uh, Ooh, it's loud. Put it out it's now. It's canceled. 
Oh, I want I don't know, but you know, the first year, and this is when Lawrence and I really hung out. The first year yeah. I did Setna Sierra Prospect. It was my road grand fondo in Truckee. I invited Lawrence. But uh but I came that's true. In 2015 <laughs> I came to his first uh, fondo. Yeah, and he's like very like well, like he's very yeah. invited to my gravel ride 2020, but it's not going to happen. I know. I have to put it no out gravel ride, man. Because uh, the German law is a little bit more strict, a little bit the same as in the US. Like also, uh, not the gravel fest. Gravel fest is in Holland in in December. Yeah, we still hmm. have an event in December. But my point is, what I want because those are more rides and yeah. not like races. And uh, I think we have a job to do in Europe to create more races. Amen. Yeah. So we need more races in Europe. Yeah. I, I also like to pin that number in Europe, gravel yeah. racing. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, so. That's the big I think that's the biggest difference in between the US and Europe, that there's less racing in Europe. That is a very And the good races there are are the most are like those ultra endurance, no sleep, thousand kilometer races. <laughs> It's time yeah. to wrap up. That's a very, very good uh, statement indeed. And it, let's put it on, our, on top of our to-do list to make sure... We create uh, races. Like a, a Belgian <laughs> Waffle Ride Dirty Kansas style race in Europe. And then... That would be amazing. People show up. Yes. Yes. Cool. Perfect. Time to wrap up. Uh, let me remind you, you should really have a look at the LiveSlowRideFast.com website and sign up for our newsletter. You should too, Mr. Pete Statena. <laughs> Don't forget, in case you have any remarks or questions, anything, drop us a line at uh, podcast at livslowridefast.com. Reviews, no reviews today, although uh, I think that's something we have, to uh, we have to mention. There were a few listeners that let us know they don't like the fact that we are recording in English. Uh, because I don't the, speak uh, Dutch, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but the, the, I can imagine. But, but uh, that, that is... Uh, okay, let me let me let me uh, have a remark on that. One, we fully understand that our English isn't like fluently native, but it doesn't stop us from wanting to talk to interesting people around the world, right? So we're here to explore the world of cycling. The interest doesn't stop at the Dutch border. Let's put it like that. So from time to time, we keep recording a podcast in English, and uh, for those who prefer recording in Dutch, we fully understand, right? And please know there will be a lot, a lot of Dutch podcasts uh, coming up, but uh, occasionally here we'll or there, an English, an English one. one, because we want to talk to cool guys like uh, like uh, like this, <laughs> who gives Lauren shit, <laughs> <laughs> and I like him for that. We're friends, Pete. Friends Maybe you, uh, yeah. homies, homies, uh, homies. <laughs> I will, I will do this this all over again in in Dutch if you bring Bauke in, and he's my translator. Okay, you can also reach us via Twitter at Laurelsendam, at Stephen Bolt, and Instagram, Steve Thunderbolt at Laurelsendam, P. Stettena, Instagram, get this guy a follow, P. Stettena, P, so not Pete, it's P. Yeah, just the first letter. Today, Pete, what are you up to? Um, My new project. Hollywood is going to be it's going to be for everybody so you know Lawrence what type of fun are you are you type one fun where you only care about the swimming hole on course and drinking beers or are you type three fun where you want to race and you're not happy unless you're drooling on yourself like those sports? <laughs> like what's, what's type, your level let, let me put uh, nowadays I'm type one fun okay 
Well, maybe, but, you know, I think you still like to go fast. Maybe you're type one and type three. Maybe you're like... Uh, What's type two? It's kind of in the middle. Like you, you enjoy going fast, but it's not the most important but thing. I still like to hurt, for example, Nicky Terpstra when I'm training with him. There you I go. Think, I think Sorry. Nicky is type five. <laughs> Only so, go fast. Yeah. So I, I'm establishing a, a, a few routes, one in, in San Francisco, one near San Diego, and one near Boulder, Colorado over the summer. And I'm creating an FKT, which is popular for fastest known time, where you try to break the record. And I'm going to do some of those for my own racing this year uh, until COVID starts again. But this is going to be the funnest known time. So basically, you follow along and then you submit. You have to do the same lap, lap and you submit with the right hashtags And if, if, if you did a type one ride or a type three ride on this course, and then you can win cool gear from the sponsors. So nice. So nice. You're a creative did you, did, guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great idea. Do you have any routes in Europe? <laughs> Not yet. Um, no, I'm, I'm open for suggestions though. And yeah, maybe in December I come out and we, we, we do a wrap. We, and that's what it's about right now. If we can't compete together, we need to establish the route together. You establish the race course and then we can still compete even though we're not together on the same course. I want to, I want to know, know some of the fun things you're going to do today. Because I know a little bit where today yeah. we record close to San well, Francisco. Yeah, in Marin, um, I can promise you that it finishes on the repack descent which is the original downhill in Marin where the mountain bike was invented with Gary Fisher ripping down on the cruiser bikes. So the, at the bottom of that descent is the mountain bike museum, right? Yes, um, I, I think so. I've actually never been. But Ooh. at the bottom of that descent, at the bottom of that descent is I a place called- on the fin scale there. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Type one. <laughs> I, at the bottom of this descent is a place called the Gestalt House which is where you hang up your bike on the wall and there's 20 craft beers in line. And I know Lawrence has been there many The only times. thing you can order there is hot dogs and beer. And it's amazing. That's cool. That's a cool place. We, I went there after the last grasshopper together with Dennis. I feel so yeah, bad. Cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw pictures of that. So, so we, I feel we, so bad. We have to do to 2021. We do the, 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 the San Francisco loop from Pete. Thank you. That would be so cool. Be cool. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I That was a fun, fun time. <laughs> enjoy the rest of your morning. <laughs> you know. It's morning there. It's still so strange. Thanks, mate. Have a, have a blast. Uh, good luck yeah. uh, today and uh, for the rest of the year. And maybe we see each other in, uh, in December, right? We'll see each yeah. other. We aim for oh. November. Oh, December, November. We aim for that. Yeah. Maybe November. Yeah. Yeah. Tacos. Fish tacos in Belgian waffle ride. There we go. Thanks. That's it for today. See you next time. Don't know where, don't know when. And until then, live slow, ride fast.